0: Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: Welcome back, everyone. 8.06 The Time. Hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings. The Tuesday, November 28th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston. Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd, thank you for joining us, folks. We're in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure is where family and fun come together. Family Leisure is located at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. It has hit the freezing mark. It was below freezing a little bit earlier. 32 degrees right now. Sunshine. We're looking at a high today of 48. Clear skies tonight with a low of 33 degrees. The second hour of the program is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. I got... uh, Big announcement to give you as far as what James Gaddis Jewelers will be doing on Thursday. I'll do that a little bit later on in the hour, but right now it's
2: Tuesday. It's time for Humdinger's Trivia. That's right. It's an opportunity for somebody to win a $25 gift certificate to Humdingers over at Poplar and Massey and go enjoy some of that delicious food. Of course, being Tuesday, that means Taco Tuesday at Humdingers, where their chicken and fish tacos are just $2 each all day long. That's each and every Tuesday at Humdingers. On Fridays, they've got their special on the crispy fish and chips. Of course, anytime you can go over there and enjoy all that delicious food, like the great grilled fish options that they have with the great toppings and sides They've got the chicken dishes. They've got salads. The salad, They've got sandwiches. So much stuff on the menu. And if you've got a holiday party, maybe, for the office that you want to get catered, they certainly could take care of that for you. And people are going to love it if you've got Humdingers catering any event that you've got going on. Again, they're at Poplar and Massey online, Restaurant.com, where you can check out the entire menu at Humdingers. If you are the... First person to answer today's trivia question correctly, well then you'll get that $25 gift certificate and you can answer via text. 901-360-8255. 901-360-8255 Sports 56 list line. Text in those answers and the first correct answer will get the $25 gift certificate to Humdingers. and here is today's question. Since 2000 the Memphis Tigers and Ole Miss Rebels have met 13 times in basketball. Uh, the Tigers are 6-7 and seven in those 13 meetings against Ole Miss since 2000. During that stretch, again, that's a since 2000, which Tiger player has scored the most points in a Tiger win against Ole Miss since 2000? Which Tiger player has scored the most points in a win against Ole Miss? 901 360 901-360-8255. Text in those answers, and the first correct answer will get the $25 gift certificate to Humdingers.
1: Speaking of Memphis basketball, our buddy Kerry Miller, who joins us weekly during the Major League Baseball season, also writes for the Bleacher Report covering college basketball. And he has his early NCAA tournament projections. And, of course, Jerry Palm, who joins us every Wednesday, has his projections and on and on. There's a lot of people. Joe Lenardi. So take it with a grain of salt this early in the year. But Kerry has the Memphis Tigers as a nine seed, facing the eighth seed, Iowa State, in the first round in Indianapolis, Indiana. If the Tigers finish where they only gain a nine seed, that's going to be extremely disappointing. That would mean that they would lose a lot of these big non-conference games. Yes, it's good enough to get in. You're going to have to do enough damage to get into the tournament. But to get a higher seed, you're going to have to win a bulk of those games. And I think they have a great opportunity to do so. That's why Penny put together the schedule he put together, knowing that you're not going to really have those opportunities in the American other than playing Florida Atlantic. Of course, one of those two games, you're going to play them at home. But that is not where you want to be. You do not want to be in that 8-9 game. You don't want to be a 10 seed. Hopefully, for Memphis, with what they're doing this year with the team they've compiled, they are going to be a seven seater higher. And right now, they're off to a really, really good start with already having wins over an SEC team, over a Big Ten team, two SEC teams, with Arkansas being a top 25 team when they beat them. So, yeah, right now, that would be really disappointing if they were in the 8 9 game again.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, again, that's what they're, the, the position they have stuck themselves in the last couple of years and that's absolutely you you got to get to me you have to get in the top 6 where well, you're you would love to be a top 4 seed um to be a top 4 seed you're going to re- you're probably going to need to win just about every one of these non-conference games um and then you can't afford any losses in conference other than probably the trip to Florida Atlantic um but yeah I mean it, the, the 8 9 is very difficult. One to put. I mean, it's not an easy matchup to begin with. But then, even if you do win that first matchup, getting the number one seed in the second round—that's what mm-hmm. you absolutely want to avoid, if if at all possible.
1: Absolutely. We talked a lot in hour number one to open the show about the uh, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are off today. We'll be back in action tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. We mentioned last night that the Lakers lost by. 44 points to the 76ers, despite LeBron James becoming the all-time leader in minutes played in the history of the game, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Speaking of the Lakers, the Lakers and the Pacers, if you are scoring at home, have moved into the next round of the in-season tournament. They have clinched spots. Uh, Milwaukee, Houston, and Sacramento, if they win, I assume tonight, then they are into the next round. There are still a bunch of teams that are still alive, and there are 12 teams one, two, three, four, five, six 12 teams that have been eliminated. Obviously, the Memphis Grizzlies have been eliminated, but a couple of surprises here. The Denver Nuggets, the defending champions, the Dallas Mavericks, they've been eliminated. Oklahoma City is having a great year so far, but they have lost in those in season games. They have been eliminated as well. I'm sorry, I have no. Care in the world to follow or, or no reason to follow. Not because the Grizzlies are out of it. I just uh, I don't get it, this in-season deal. There is nothing on the line for these teams. The winners will get more money. They're already multi-millionaires. They're going to get more money. And I guess money is always important to people. But if you put something on the line, like a spot in the play-in for the winner, then there's more intrigue with this in-season tournament. It needs... Not an overhaul, but it needs certainly some fine-tuning. There's also the issue about the point differential, which Jason Tatum took exception to that yesterday. That is something you don't want to get into, where teams are leaving in starters late in the game or shooting threes down the stretch when they should be dribbling it out, which could cause, who knows, a little bit of a fracas. Uh, You would have players that uh, normally would not play those minutes playing extra minutes because you need the point differential. That's just stupid. Right now, to me, I couldn't care less. They need to fix it. They need to put more incentive into it, and then maybe it'll excite me.
2: Yeah, again, I'm I I um I'm letting it play. I want to see the actual games in Vegas of the actual tournament. Um and and see kind of what the reaction is to those. Um again that and I don't know what the latest update is, but early on the Television ratings were good for it versus the the games from last year. Those same windows. So um, whether that was because of. Uh an increased fan interest because it's this in season. I wish they wouldn't call it the in season tournament. I don't know why they don't just call it the NBA cup tournament or something like that. I think in season tournament turns a lot of people off because it's just such a generic, like weird right. thing. Like right. they called it the NBA cup tournament or NBA cup playoffs or something. At least it, you get an idea of what it is, but like just saying in season tournament, I think is a little weird to call it just something so generic, but um, again, I don't have any problem with it. I think, Um, the league kind of looking to see what fan reaction is and then um, what kind of tweaks you might need to make the the whole point differential thing does um, certainly can cause some issues. You know, Phoenix here was you know doing some things down the stretch to try and help their point differential that I don't, I certainly don't think the league wants that type Mm -hmm. of situation where teams are shooting threes late and doing things in order to try and help that. I, you know, How to do it as far as tiebreakers and all that are concerned when you're talking about, you know, four games deciding this. Like, it's, I I don't know for sure exactly how you go about doing that without using point differential, but um, certainly I don't think the league wants that type of situation.
1: But are you excited? Like, you look at the schedule and go, hey, man, must watch television. I got to watch that Tuesday night game between Brooklyn and Indiana. It's a big, important game in the in season tournament.
2: No, but I wouldn't care about that game. If the tournament wasn't going exactly, on. that's, that's I, my point. The, the games in Vegas are the ones that are different, and I, I think they, they could be they they will be much more interesting than a regular season game normally. So, right, but I think I, a regular I, season I, game with—not a regular season game, but an
1: in-season tournament game—that's not just the games in Vegas—would be a little bit more exciting if there was more on the line. Again, for teams that are going to be out of it. They're not going to be good. Now, more than likely, they're not going to win it, right? They're not going to get to Vegas. You could even have a situation where you have a winner come out of the East, a winner come out of the West, and both of those teams are playing. Well, you give each one of them a spot in the play-in. I mean, so you've gone through the the rigors of playing in the in-season tournament. You go to Vegas. Now you're playing for whatever the the, the prize is at the end. But you have earned your spot in the finals to get to a play-in position in the postseason. Therefore, you have all these teams at the beginning of the year that aren't that good now have this opportunity, if they go on a nice little run, to get there. More than likely, they're not going to. That's why they're bad. They're bad teams. Or they have unfortunate situations like the Grizzlies have. But at least it's extra incentive. to do. Right now, it's like, who cares? What The winner's going to get more money? I would not put any sort of...
2: Playoff spot on the line. I don't. I, mean, I don't play in. I,
1: you wouldn't put a play in. No,
2: I don't. Really? Um, Twenty teams? one. The, it's the the teams that are going to win this are going to be well ahead of the play in probably anyway. No, I understand that. Or at like, least already in it. And it's insane. Two. I'm not. I, I don't. I, I just. I'm not going to let seven games decide a play in spot over the. 82 game season. Then why have it? It's just it, it's well for the, some guys the the money does matter. Like there's guys at the bottom of these benches that don't make a whole lot of money. It does mean something to them. And all of these guys love money, so I guarantee you they they do care about it. We love
1: money as well, but it's not enough for me to get excited about. That's just my point. Uh, college basketball note: We were talking about the poll in hour number one where Memphis came up short once again. Still scratching my head about that one. Uh, I'm not going to guess anymore that Memphis will make it into the top 25 because I'm wrong every time. but Connecticut, which is number four, the defending national champions. Dan Hurley and his team set a division one record. they got the huge game coming up against Kansas. When is that? Is that Friday or earlier uh, this I'm week? Not sure Huge game. Connecticut and Kansas. Their last win was their record twenty fourth straight non conference victory by double digits. How about that? Not only are they winning those games, they're clobbering their opponent. Twenty four straight non conference victories by double digits. It's,
2: it's incredible. I mean, it, when you see the upsets and things that happen in non conference play, um, to be that consistent and do what they have done is that's pretty incredible.
1: I think it is as well. Uh, We talked some NFL earlier about the Bears and their win last night in Monday Night Football, or on Monday Night Football. Yesterday was the news of Frank Reich's firing with the Carolina Panthers. I didn't see this until this morning that they also let go assistants Josh McCown and Deuce Staley. So McCown, who coached the quarterback, Staley coached the running back, so really got rid of basically the entire offensive coaching staff Chris Tabor made that decision. He's the interim head coach, as announced by Tepper, their owner. But I did not know this. Tepper wanted Bryce Young. Frank Reich wanted to draft C.J. Stroud.
2: Well, there, and certainly right now, C.J. Stroud looks way better, but I don't think it's fair at all to assess Bryce Young at this point. Guy who's running for his life on every play and has basically nobody around him um, to to help him in any way. Um, not like listen, David Tepper's reign so far as owner is not going real well in Carolina. It, it has been a it's been a, been a rough go for him there, and you know he's probably way too involved in the football operations because he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of uh, you know. Uh, Sense as far as that goes, he probably should stay out of the way and let football people make those decisions. But um, he wants to, I guess, be involved. And when you own the team, you have that right.
1: Yeah, and look, and I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not ready to sit here and say that uh, in their careers, when it's all said and done, that C.J. Stroud will absolutely have a better career than Bryce Young. I'm not, I'm not giving up on Bryce Young at this point. He doesn't have the weapons and all that, but certainly Bryce Young's play or lack thereof, along with everybody else at that offense cost those guys their job, and if they had C.J. Stroud in there, who knows? Maybe they would have played better with C.J. Stroud throwing the ball the way he did. It's not like Houston has a ton of weapons, but they certainly have a lot more than what Carolina has. All right, we'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Laird Veach will join us, University of Memphis AD. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ Back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston
1: and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. 827 the time on this very cold Tuesday morning. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy. And Zach Boyd with you. Normally at this time, we're talking University of Memphis Athletics with Jeff Crane, the Deputy AD. We will definitely talk University of Memphis Athletics, but now time to talk with the head honcho, the man himself. He is Laird Veach, the University of Memphis Vice President and the Director of Intercollegiate Athletics. You can follow Laird on Twitter at Laird Veach. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Thank you so much for joining us, Laird. Appreciate your time.
3: You bet. Happy to be with you guys.
1: All right, so here we are on Tuesday. The bowl selection announcements are Sunday, but a lot goes on in between time uh, that we are not privy to that information. So where are you as far as that is concerned? Because not only are you dealing with the American Conference, there's also that possibility, and everybody knows that you could end up in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game if there's not enough SEC teams to go around for them. Where do things stand right now as we talk here on Tuesday morning?
3: Well, you know, we are having a lot of those those uh, good conversations, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, both with uh, you know Steve Harold, the folks at the Liberty Bowl, as well as our conference and other bowl games about you know what could be the options. The, uh, the field of options is beginning to narrow um, and I do think we'll, we'll have some clarity on this obviously by by this Sunday uh, so we're down right now to you know a couple three options and we'll you know, make sure we're prepared for each um, you know many times uh, unlike the old days those decisions are you know beyond our our ability necessarily to influence one way or the other but um, certainly we'd be excited to, to, to be here in, in our hometown but th- there's other other options out there as well. So we'll just have to kind of see how it plays out, what decisions are made, and, and you know, regardless, we're going to get a, a really good opponent, you know, because of the, the quality of the year we've had and, um, you know, some really good TV exposure for our university and our city, um, and hopefully a great experience for, you know, players and
2: as you look at this season, um, certainly um, the, the nine win seasons don't come by very often for the University of Memphis um, and a chance to make it a 10 win season. Um, how, how do you kind of assess the year overall um, that the team had?
3: Yeah, I feel really good about, about what we've done um, and, and you know, just where we're at overall. You know, certainly there was some there's some close calls there, and uh, you know there's obviously areas to, to improve and get better. But we took a, a substantial step, and you know that's what uh, I talk about with, with all of our coaches here. So so much of it is about trajectory, and uh, you know it's really really difficult to win, but right? it's a highly competitive world we're in, and you know every year you continue to, to improve and get better. Then eventually you get to the point where you really want to be, and that's you know competing for uh, and, and competing in and winning championships, right? And now we didn't quite get there, but we took uh, you know substantial step forward towards that, and you know our expectation is to continue to, to elevate to to yet another level. I, I feel good about our position and our ability to do that.
1: I know that you sit down with each and every coach at the conclusion of their seasons, kind of evaluate where things stand. Have you had that conversation with Coach Silverfield yet, or do you wait till after the bowl game?
3: Um, we've we, we talked about uh, we talk a lot, uh, as you might imagine, um, and we've talked on the phone here the last uh, handful of days. But uh, we'll get together in person here this week, and again, uh, well, really every week. Uh, but then again, after the bowl game as well. So I'd say it's more of an ongoing process. Um, uh, but uh, we haven't had that kind of year-end sit-down yet. Um, you know, although I'm sure there'll be there'll be more than one here in the weeks
2: ahead. When you are assessing him or any, really any coach at this point in time, how much consideration is there of the idea of like where, what the, where you stand as far as NIL goes, all of these things that now go into what makes it a, either, you know, a tougher coaching job possibly against when you're talking about what you're competing against.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, that, the The reality that it is when when any of us so that you know, me or other sport administrators that deal with any of our our sports, um, you know, it's an ongoing kind of partnership conversation, right? It shouldn't be a sit down once or twice a year and kind of where things at. Um, so there's a lot of detail that goes into managing a program, particularly a football program, uh, particularly at the you know the level we're at. And nil is one of those. Staffing is one of those. The facilities. There's overall budget, travel budget, recruiting. Um, uh, the academic side, there's so many elements of it, uh, but, but certainly, you know, you have to understand the competitive landscape and where you sit, right? Um, and, you know, that's, that's an element that we have got to continue to push forward and, and work towards and find solutions to, 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 to remain and, and, and be competitive at even higher level than we, than we are now, right? We've got to find a way, uh, but that's as, as much my responsibility as it is, uh, coaches or, mm-hmm. Um, or, or any of our other staff, um, and so much of it falls on the shoulders of our of our best donors and our best people, right? To, to really understand that and uh, get it, and and realize that we've got to invest in that way to to be competitive. And then there's all the other benefits that come from winning, right? I mean, you 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 want to be a winning program, you know, to have the exposure, to have the you know the marketing value for your institution and your city. I mean, there there are big picture reasons why we have to compete in the NIL space so that we can realize the benefits in so many other areas.
1: Laird Beach joining us, University of Memphis Vice President and the Director of Intercollegiate Athletics. I want to step back to the the bowl conversation we started this this interview with. The breakdown from a conference standpoint, uh, there's a little confusion, I think, out there in the public about who gets what. I think there's a lot of people that believe. Well, if Memphis goes to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, it's a higher payout than some of these other games associated with the uh, with the conference. That Memphis gets all that money. That that is not the case. Can you tell people how it's divvied up?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, essentially, for for each of the bowls, you know, the all the all the money uh, from all the bowl contracts with the conference goes into one big pot. They distribute it. Um, a a set amount per school uh that's equal across the board for really managing your expenses to to the bowl game um which is challenging to do in many respects (laughs) for a lot of us you know the only one that's really different is hawaii there's an additional um you know allotment for that obviously because of the 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 travel challenges etc and those costs um and then really everybody is is sort of up to their ability to to work within the allotment of that bowl to sell tickets right so um, and then you can realize some diff- additional revenue from tickets that are sold. So that's why it's so important that, you know, our folks buy through us if they're if they're buying at a, at a bowl game, whether it's the, you know, the Liberty Bowl or any other bowl, um, you know, by buying through us. That helps us financially. It also helps us from, you know, just how we you know our brand overall and you know to make sure you're you're with your fellow tiger fans.
1: And then when it comes to the New Year's Six and there's a good opportunity that uh, Tulane, I'm not so sure if SMU wins if they can get in but maybe, but Tulane if they win will more than likely be in the Fiesta Bowl. And you guys were in the Cotton Bowl not that long ago. Um, that's a lot of money and that also goes into the coffers right of the conference split. I wouldn't imagine evenly. I would think that Tulane, in this case this year, and you guys, when you went to the Cotton Bowl, get a higher percentage of that money. Is that is that accurate?
3: That that is accurate. Yeah, there's a there's a, a significantly higher payout for that attendee in the in that bowl game. Uh, but it does also significantly benefit all the all the, right. all the conference partners. Right. right. So. So there's um yeah, it's it is it's definitely best, better you know significantly I, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head I'd say it's twice as much at least um of the of the distribution um but it's uh but it is it's, it's obviously beneficial for everybody and you know that's one of the, the great things about our our conference is you you do have a chance um to you know and it's been proven year in and year out of uh, majority of the time our our conference champion has been been in that bowl game and. No, that's a that's a that's a very helpful piece to our brand overall something we we need to fight to continue to maintain
2: it it very well wouldn't matter because they probably may not get into it if they win but with smu and regardless of what bowl they go to with them leaving the conference how is that handled money-wise for whatever bowl they go to
3: yeah, you know, they are treated uh, this year, at least this is my understanding. So, you know, you have to check directly with the conference to confirm it. But if I recall correctly, my understanding is there is a, a separation agreement and a payout, um, that is determined and negotiated that we all approved as members, um, you know, for with SMU, uh, but that is separate from, you know, their, their distributions this year. So they. Okay. They received uh, they received distributions this year as they normally would, and then we but we've also settled on a separation amount, um, you know, and how that's handled directly with the conference.
1: Laird Beach joining us, University of Memphis Vice President and Director of uh, Intercollegiate Athletics. You can follow him on Twitter at Laird Beach. All right, so let's dive into the big news that happened recently. The uh, Frederick W. Smith family, headed by of course Fred Smith. Uh, the executive chairman of FedEx, uh, the $50 million challenge gift to the university for renovations the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Huge news. I know. I know there's still a lot to get done, including your guys' side of raising the $50 million. But uh, first of all, if you wouldn't mind talking about, obviously, the excitement of, of getting that news. How did it all come about, and how were you guys involved with uh, Mr. Smith and FedEx to be able to have that thing come to, to materialize?
3: Yeah, yeah first of all you know obviously extremely grateful to to, to, to Fred Smith and the entire Smith family because they were you know and and continue to be very involved with it um, as a family um but uh it, it's it's incredible right but when you have a gift of that magnitude um it's just such a kind of ring endorsement and and gives you so much credibility when you're you know trying to make the case for others to support a project like this um when you have you know the, the lead, leader of our community stepping up and saying this is critically important you know both for us and for the grizzlies and the fedex forum um that it, it just it, it it says a lot right about about the importance and the impact of, of sports on our community mm-hmm. um so uh, extremely grateful and of course to, to, to the mayor to city council others that are going through this with us um it, it's it is a remarkably impactful opportunity for us. Um, now, how it came about really is, is, you know, it's all about really from Fred Smith. I mean, you know, there was there were certainly a lot of ongoing conversations uh, over time about, you know, the stadium and the projects and, and uh, how things were going, you know, some of the challenges as they began to present themselves more and more um but but ultimately this was this was his idea and his call and you know not a few weeks ago i don't remember the exact date um you know he called the president he called me he called the mayor and you know he he told us what he was what he wanted to do and 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 kind of laid it out for us um and you know not only the, his gift but the importance of um you know they're really challenging the the tiger nation to to step up and, and support the, the this development with him um, and the importance of us, you know, owning the stadium as a as a, as a auxiliary services foundation of the university, mm-hmm. um, because of the position that puts us in long term as a university. Right? If we, if you know, big time places that are at power type schools, uh, the vast majority of them own their own home and they they manage it and they invest in it and they they maximize the opportunities that it presents.
2: The 50 million that you guys <clears throat> i guess are matching you where will that money come
3: from yeah i mean it's really gonna um it ultimately be about our, our other donors and it's going to start with uh you know our top level folks um and you know we've been we've been talking to several of them about um you know the need for us to have a you know significant comprehensive campaign um with the you know the primary driver that being the football stadium because of you know how that positions us long term on so many levels as we've talked about so many times um and you know so that's that's where we're going to start i mean we will over the next you know several months really be having conversations with you know what you you could call the fundraising circles the leadership phase or the quiet phase even though this is obviously not very very much not quiet um uh you know that's what usually happens in those that that stage of a fundraising campaign is you're talking to your lead folks about other you know seven-figure six-figure gifts that's going to drive the vast majority of our uh, of our success um and then you know there'll be opportunities down the road as people buy new club seats and load boxes and help commit to other things on the uh, down the path it'll get get down to where we have grassroots type support as well so it's going to take everybody doing their part um It's not going to happen overnight, but there is going to be some significant urgency to us to to move the needle um, in a big way uh, fairly quickly.
1: What is the the timetable for, number one, the handover of the stadium to the university? I assume that still needs a – did the vote already happen with the council? I'm I'm not even sure where we stand as far as that's concerned. So what's the timetable as far as that? And number two – even if you don't have fifty million raised by the end of uh, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, I assume with the gift from Fred Smith and family, and also the state money that's allocated, that you guys can start construction on time when you expect it to start. Or is that still have to get uh, go through a you know b- jump through a bunch of hoops here, or are you right on target?
3: Well, this is yeah, it's certainly a complex um, development that's happened pretty quickly. Right? So. Um, but, uh, but there are it, it has great momentum and a great path forward I just, first of all I'd say from a city council standpoint you know they, they certainly need to vote and approve this right mm-hmm. I mean that' that is that is their their uh, their right uh, their obligation to, to, to see that um, through and, and and make the decisions best for for the city for the university um, that process my understanding I think that has to or it can go through up to three readings so they have meetings every two weeks so, um, I believe next Tuesday. There's another every Tuesday, so there's a meeting next Tuesday. They'll discuss it further, so it could go into a couple more after that. So mm-hmm. over the next what, you know, six weeks, two to five weeks, something like that. Um, you know, this this will uh, you know hopefully uh, come to uh, to an official conclusion. And and the current plan is for um, ownership to, to transition after. Basically, after the AutoZone Liberty Bowl into the first of next year, so I think it's the end of December, beginning of January in that time frame. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of details to be worked out, and uh, we are in and uh, I feel a really good positioned with the the city officials and our you know outline of the agreement of terms and what that would all look like. Um, you know, obviously, we're starting good conversations with the other partners that are out there at the stadium as well, and you know, talking about how we can work with them and. Um, how uh, we feel good about those relationships moving forward. So there's a there's a lot to, to, to get our head around, uh, but but I feel really good about it um, and and where it's headed. Uh, and then to answer your question about the 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 project and the fundraising, um, a lot of that's still coming together. I do anticipate, really expect us to move forward with at least a a phase or a, a, a piece of the the project um, you know, as soon as possible after this season. You know, uh-huh. obviously we need some time to kind of get our heads around it. There's a lot of detail work, contracts, things like that, that got to get in place. Um, but we would like to start construction as soon as possible. I could very well see this becoming more of a phased approach where we start with, you know, some of the elements that we know we can uh, move forward with right away. Maybe that's like, you know, the part of the east side, or we talk about converting a level of the suites on the east side to uh, accommodate uh, media TV, operations, coaches, all of that, so that it positions us for for the west side. We've talked about there's a great deal of deferred maintenance that needs to to, to be done. Um, and then we're going to need some time to, to sort of get our heads around the, the, the final plan on the west side, um, some of the halo work, and to raise some money, right? So, mm-hmm. so we, we're not going to overextend ourselves in terms of, you know, knowing what we have. So it's going to take um, some efforts over the coming months to really move forward with that piece. So. The exact timing of the rest of that, we, we still got to work through. Um, but as soon as we can get some clarity on it, uh, with you know the the design team, the construction team, um, and as soon as we get a good feel of, of how our, our donors are going to respond, um, then you know we'll we'll make the final commitment and move forward. Um, so I, I feel good about it progressing. It may not be the exact timeline, but it's going to start happening fast, and we're going to push forward.
2: So you you kind of hit on a little bit, but can you kind of explain of, of why? It is important for you guys to have that ownership of the stadium and what it allows you to do. And so, do the like the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, the Showboat, Southern Heritage. Do they then become tenants of yours?
3: Yeah, that would be the idea. They, they would then, um, you know, shift over to, to working with us as the, as the uh, you know, um, essential owner and, and manager of the stadium. Now, we would work with the same ownership group or management group, excuse me, OBG, who's been working with the city for some time now and has a contract in place that we'll assume and continue to move forward with. Um, so a lot of the day-to-day uh, management um, details will continue to, you know, roll along smoothly uh, but yeah, they'll, they'll, partner with us. Um, you know, we don't expect any significant changes. You know, that's, that's something, those kind of, um, you know, events and opportunities are, are obviously really important to the city. They're great for, um, you know, the university, the exposure to, to all of us. Um, and we, we recognize our partnership there. So we don't expect a lot of changes there. We're just going to want to be good partners and, and make them work well for, for those, for those groups. Um, you know, obviously, as we're we're talking about the Liberty Pool right mm-hmm. now, that's a that's a relationship we got that's right here, and and it's helpful. So, um, so I, I expect it to, to, to be uh, not not too dissimilar to what it's been, if not you know very very close. And you know, the other thing that I would say is, you know, when you think about the benefit of a you know kind of primary tenant owning a, a stadium, you know, it, it sort of becomes the difference between how you treat um, if you own if you were someone that owns several homes, how you might treat your own home versus how you treat, you know, a, a, a home that you don't necessarily live in. Right? Right, right. And, you know, so we are, you know, obviously we use it more than others. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to treat it with some, <laughs> a lot of love and care because <laughs> I hear it's going to generate a lot of, a lot of opportunities for us, not only from a revenue standpoint, but how we interact with our fans, how we present our brand, um, so, you know, that will be a benefit to those other tenants, too, because they have, um, you know, essentially an owner that lives in their home, and, and that's going to really have them over as guests and treat even, maybe even better than what it has, right? So, um, it just changes the mindset and the perspective, and it maximizes your opportunity mm-hmm. to really control your own destiny with how you treat your customers, uh, how you, you know, maximize revenue streams, all of those things. Yeah. So, it, it's just a it's a really, really important step as we want to try to you know continue to elevate as a as a university and an athletic department.
1: All right, we'll leave you with this and we appreciate your time.'ll we'll, we'll talk basketball one day with you. We'll get you back on at another time that's convenient for you. Lots to talk about as far as that's concerned. but Richard Smith was on with uh, Dave Willoshan, who follows our show and talked about uh, the decision for the family to do what they did and step up. Richard also said some cryptic things. Um, when talking about the future for the University of Memphis and maybe further realignment somewhere around the nation. He said, we got some tricks up our sleeves. It's almost like he knew something, but obviously wasn't divulging. He said he could not give out any information. Do you believe that there are tricks up your sleeve and that there will be still more movement here um, sooner than later around the nation?
3: Um. You know, first of all, to answer that, that last part, I do definitely think there will continue to be movement around the nation now exactly though, the time, if that's, you know, this coming summer, it seems like every summer there's there's been some <laughs> kind of development, um, right. or whether that's, you know, another year or two or three down the road. and In the not-too-distant future, there's going to continue to be significant movement, and i say that only because, you know, college athletics is obviously in such a state of change and turmoil, and, mm-hmm. you know, the the model is going to be adjusting in some way, shape, or form. There's... There's just so much at a at a at a, at a high level that's going to have to um, continue to evolve that that's going to have impacts and create you know uh, call a potential opportunities for for a program like ours with the with the things we can bring. So yeah, I think there's going to continue to be uh, opportunities and changes. Um, I also think our competitive position as it sits right now is is pretty dang good, and that we ought to expect to win at, at a really high level. Um, and you know there's there's partners like you know FedEx. And, and others, uh, we have some some really really good high level donors here and supporters that, that want to help us. Um, so I think there's going to be more. Um, you know, uh, whether there's trick, call them tricks up your sleeve, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But you know that uh, I, I I hope uh, I hope he's absolutely right, and and I certainly um, I certainly expect uh, when when Richard Smith or, or anybody for that family speaks that they are they're speaking the truth and that there's opportunity there.
1: He is Laird Beach, University of Memphis Vice President and Director of Intercollegiate Athletics. You can follow him on Twitter at Laird Beach. Thank you so much for your time, Laird. Really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, guys. Take
1: care. You Go too. Baggers. You too. Jingle and Gems. This is a holiday party invitation for you at Gaddis Jewelers this Thursday. It's coming up from five until eight o'clock. A night filled with live entertainment, festive cocktails, savory bites while shopping, their newest arrivals just in time for the holidays. Create your personal wish lists and let the elves at James Gaddis Jewelers do the work. So that's our invitation. To you to come out between 5 and 8 on Thursday night to sip, savor, and shop the Jingle and Gems holiday party from James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1. Every weekday on Sports 56 and 985 FM. Now back to Sports 56 mornings. Is it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 985 FM, this hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewellers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
2: So it took a little while, but we did get a correct answer in Humdinger's Trivia. I kind of stumped the people that this was a little harder one for folks to to look up than than some of the others, but we do have a correct answer after a number of incorrect answers. And Zach, you do not need to do a tiebreaker today. Only one person was able to get this one right. Um, The question was which Tigers player has scored the most points in a game against Ole Miss in a win for the Tigers since 2000. You did not have to go back very far. You only had to go back a few years. Uh, Precious Achua in 2019 had 25 against Ole Miss in a victory. Now, the reason I did it, when I, I could have asked the question of what Tigers player has scored the most points against Ole Miss since 2000. And if anybody could have just come up with that answer without looking it up, then they should deserve to like own Humdingers. Because that one would be Ricky Tarrant Jr. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just, if anybody could have come up with that one, without looking it up, How many honestly, they should have just they should get Humdingers. He had 29. Wow. But the Tigers lost that game. That's that's why I went with a win, because I like if nobody's coming up with Ricky Tarrant Jr.
1: Ricky Tarrant Jr., 29. Precious Chewa, 25. Will there be a player that goes over those marks on Saturday if there is a choice out there from people? I'm not so sure a consensus, but I would think that most people would say if there's a chance it happens, it's David Jones. And David Jones was named to the American Athletic Conference honor roll team for the second straight week after his performance at the Battle for Atlantis. He averaged 20 points, 5 rebounds. steals per game while leading Memphis to wins over Michigan and number 20 Arkansas. He shot 51.4% from the field. He connected on six three-pointers and drained 18 of his 21 free throws. Had the big game in which he scored 36 points in the win over Arkansas. So possibly Saturday, David Jones could go off against Ole Miss.
2: Dewan Wagner, by the way, also had 25 in a Mm -hmm. game, but that was also in a loss. Um, So Precious gets the the title and the win with his 25-point performance.
1: Five favorite things tomorrow. Your five favorite things topic. Your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time. Your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time. Get your list together. We'll do it tomorrow. Five favorite things. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. Call Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084 or go online to newroofmemphis.com. The winter is approaching. Well, you don't want to have issues with your roof. I mean, any time's a bad time, but especially in the cold weather. They offer financing with different plans and options to choose from, including a 6, 12, or 18-month same-as-cash option. They'll work with your insurance company or out-of-pocket, whatever it takes. They're part of the Roofs for Troops program. Any veteran active or retired, you get a $250 rebate on the purchase of a new roof. They do residential and commercial roofing, so business owners and property managers, obviously homeowners as well. If you have a leak or any other roofing problem, Call Brandon today. They'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They're licensed, bonded, and insured, and a member of the Better Business Bureau. You get a five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof, and all their work is satisfaction guaranteed. That includes carpentry work, exterior painting. They can install shingles, replace gutters, put up fencing and siding, rotten wood repair, whatever you can't do yourself. Call the experts at Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Quality work at a very good price. Call Brandon today at 438-5084. 438-5084. Tell me you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings or go online to newroofmemphis.com. We're talking plenty of round ball in hour number three. We'll open up with Zoe Goodson from Rhodes and then Parth Pajai from the Daily Memphian on Memphis Tigers Hoops. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.